0: and today, today actually is all me, folks. I know we try really hard to uh, try to always have an extra voice in here, but you know what? It didn't work out this week, so it's just you and me, baby, <laughs> all episode. Today's episode, uh, we're talking about uh, responding to the good stuff, because often we talk about like how to shape life uh, for your kid when it's not going well, but it's also really important to shape life for your kid when it is going well and how god is in all of that Uh, i'm going to answer a question from a listener uh, who sent in an excellent question about lying and how we talk to our kids about lying and deceitfulness uh my uh, wild card section is to uh, talk a little bit about halloween and uh, the question of how we help our kids understand why people are celebrating and actually seeming to find joy in darkness and uh, as always, we have a question to start a good conversation with your kid. So that's today. A quick note uh, before we start about The Forge, uh, as children's families or youth specialists, if that's something that you are, uh, it can get really lonely. And we think that uh, having people to challenge and equip us to do the same roles is helpful. So uh, we created a little anti-conference where uh, the emphasis is on working groups and hearing from each other about innovations and things they've discovered and tech that change their lives and more. We do group mind wrestling about wrangling with tough topics together, and we have good chunks of worship. So if you are a children's youth or family specialist in a church, come along. And if you are a parent and you know someone in your church who would really benefit from coming away with us, let them know. It's called The Forge, and it's on the website. You can find out more. But first, responding to the good. Uh, by the way, if you hear my teeth chattering, it's because I'm cold. <laughs> I've lived in this country for 18 years, and uh, but I'm from originally from Southern California, which I means my body never had to cope with temperatures below 15, and I've lived here for nigh on... N- almost, well, I can't say in 20 years by now, but 18 years, and I still cannot handle the cold. So uh, if you hear me going, oh, it's me because I'm cold. And I, yes, have finally turned on my heater. Yes, I have. my My central heating is pumping away, but I'm still cold. Anyways, Uh, Responding to the good. In Parenting for Faith, uh, our third tool that we talk about is about unwinding wrong views of God. And if you want to know more about the reasons behind this tool or get some equipping on it, you can check out our website on parentingforfaith.org to... Uh, look at key tools or watch the third session of the free Parenting for Faith course, which can be found on parentingforfaith.org. But this tool is all about how we build a healthy view of God and unwinding the confusing knots that children can get into when they view God. And we often talk about how important it is to create windows and to frame for our children where God is in the negative times, uh, who he is when we're sick or in pain or worried. And all of that's really important. And when we're showing our children our lives with God, um, it shows them that God is there and at work, even when we feel lonely, scared, or worried, by coaching our children through God's faithfulness and hope and comfort in tough times. We show them how we can walk with God through anything. But it is equally important to create windows and frame for our children where God is when life is good without sounding glib or cheesy, because if we aren't careful, we actually can leave our kids left to wonder about who God is more in the good times than the bad. That then leaves them to be guessing about God, which is when we see their view of God get confused. When we miss out on framing for our children who God is in the good times, they can begin to make their own conclusions. They can start thinking our lives are good. So God must be happy with us or we deserve good things or God's plan for our lives is that we never have any problems. Our children need to know how to see where God is in the good as well as the struggles of their lives so that they can cultivate a healthy and accurate view of God. And if you're like me, you can find that hard to do. Uh, here's some thoughts of how to get started in showing children who God is in the good. Uh, The first one is to stay away from cliché, which is really hard. Uh, It can feel so limiting, and we can feel stuck with just, like, cheesy phrases like, Thank you, God, or God is good. And if you are an Anglican, you want to say all the time, all the time, God is good. Uh, I feel so blessed. And we feel like we just have these little phrases of being like, yep, Yay! And there's so much more than that. If you feel like you're beginning to utter a cliche, stop yourself. Often we go into these cliches because they are what we have been taught, and they summarize our wider general feeling. The problem is that to help our children form a greater view of God, they need more than just a general description of our feelings. So if you are feeling a cliche bubble up, pause and ask yourself, what is my heart and mind truly thinking and feeling? Because that's what your children need to hear. Often they fit into two categories, what you're grateful for and what you observe. So um, when you pray, be specific about what you're grateful for. Often we're very vague in our thankfulness. We list things. Thank you for grandma, grandpa, pizza, and Paw Patrol. We Actually, there's a, a width and a depth to thankfulness that is powerful and helpful for our children. If you aren't sure that your car was going to pass its M.O.T., like me, every year, then rather than just say, thank you, God, that our car passed the M.O.T., see what you're really feeling, which is... Oh, God, I wasn't sure we were gonna, f- where we were gonna find the money for this car if it didn't pass. And then somehow it passed. I feel like you're providing for our needs, God, and I am so overwhelmed with how well you care for us. Say what you mean so your children can see relationship in action and understand a bit of God's character as well. If you're on holiday, rather than say, Thank you for this holiday. Say, thank you that we get a break. We as a family so need time to Google together and play. And you know that because you made us that way. Thank you for giving us jobs so that we could have money to go on this trip. Thank you for putting us together into a family. I love being family together. There are so many parts of God to be thankful for, his provision, grace, generosity, seeing us, caring for us, forgiving us, watching over us. Pay attention to what you're feeling and pray that. The other thing is to make observations that start with, I love how God dot, dot, dot. Sometimes we feel like we can only point to God when things go wrong, but it's a great habit to start pointing out where God is in general. We live in Yorkshire, God's own county, so I grant you that this is easy, but when we are driving around, we constantly are saying things like, I love how God causes light to reflect off little water droplets in the air in such a weird way to make such stunning sunsets. What a great idea. I never would have thought of that. I love how God creates beauty. As you go through life, feel free to make observations about what you see. Watching YouTube and seeing families of videos reuniting. Uh, Say, I love how God invented families so we never have to feel alone. It makes me want to cry. Two, I love that in my job, I use complex math to work out things. And yet God has math mind beyond anything I could ever learn in a thousand lifetimes. Whatever you think, feel, wonder at, say out loud. I love how God dot, 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 is a great way to get started in helping your children learn to see God everywhere. Don't worry about asking them to join in. If you want to, you can, but often the more powerful thing is to just make these observations yourselves out loud and you'll soon notice your children joining in and even begin to initialize, to initiate, initiate it themselves. All of our lives are powerful to help our children meet and know God. In the bad times, yes, but in the good times as well. Don't forget to share those too. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We always love to hear them. So if you want to send in your questions, please feel free to email in through the website or put them up on Facebook. And today we have a question from a listener. It reads like this. I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you. And bedtime chat sessions. Yes, join us for those. Uh, Thank you. We have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. Our seven-year-old has a really great head knowledge of the Bible, and he definitely understands a lot of what being a Christian is about. But he hasn't made a faith commitment yet He has been quite deceitful recently Partly this has been my fault for putting expectations on him And trying to bribe him into doing certain behaviors But it is starting to upset my husband and I And therefore he is getting upset too I listened to the podcast on shame recently Which was good I wondered if you might be able to talk about How to approach lying by our children It is not a huge deal But being able to talk to him about it From a biblical perspective Would be really helpful Thank you so much for that question. Lying can be tied to so much, a growing understanding of how people work and how to get what you want, fear of punishment. And so lying is better than the alternative, um, wanting to hide mistakes, etc. Every child goes through this figuring out phase and every child's personality and internal quirks are different. Some kids don't struggle very much and some children do. I think it's interesting that you feel that he's being deceitful, though, which I infer that it's become a habitual part of his pattern rather than one-off random lying. It can be an awful feeling to feel that your child is falling into a pattern of deceitfulness. Here are my thoughts on it. There are people out there much wiser than me, just need to say, <laughs> so please feel free to throw out all of this, but here's what I think about it. And remember, you know your kid best, and so you'll know what will work. My approach to most discipline issues is to try and mirror the relationship between God and us with children. The reason God wants us to cast off sin is so that we can be holy and clean and in relationship with him. Jesus said in Mark 12 that the greatest commandments were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So for me, discipline is about helping our children live in relationship with God, us, and those around them well. So I suggest you look at two things. One, what can you do to set him up for success and remove any hindrances to that? And two, make the conversation about relationship and trust rather than about what not to do. So the first is remove hindrances. You have already started the process of this, so I'm more echoing your brilliant parenting wisdom here. There are things that we do as parents to try and problem-solve behavior that actually ends up reinforcing it. We all do this accidentally sometimes. A lot of parenting is just noticing when our solutions actually become motivators in our children's behavior and fixing it. Here you've noticed that how you tried to help your son by bribing him may be causing him to lie to continue to get those awards. Great spot. There may be other things in there that are also accidentally reinforcing behavior, and only you will know this. Whether it's if we respond with anger to our children, so they want to hide their mistakes from us, or if we tend to separate hearts from our children when they mess up, and so hiding their bad choices from us means that they're maintaining the good relationship with us for longer— Sometimes when we look at how we respond when our children mess up, we can begin to fix some of the reasons behind why they feel they want to be deceitful. I'm not saying that this is the whole reason, but it can be a factor. The second thing is to shift the conversation to be about relationship. Have a conversation with your child that says, I want our relationship to be so good that there's no wall between us. Nothing that you feel is, that you can't tell me. Even when you make mistakes and bad choices, I want you to tell me about it. You're going to make mistakes and bad choices in your life. It's my job to help you and to encourage you as you walk out the consequences of those. When you tell me about your mistakes and bad choices and fix those messes you make, I'm proud of you and I want to encourage you. So if you go on the iPad when I said not to and you come to me and say, I'm sorry I made a bad choice and played games on the iPad when I wasn't supposed to, then we can connect and hug and we can problem solve together why you thought the iPad was more important than obeying. We can decide together how to help you make better decisions in the future. But if I catch you hiding and lying and trying to do things behind my back, then that keeps us separate. You're trying to stay away from me and that dishonesty builds a wall between us. It puts us on separate sides. I want us to be together, not apart. That's why there are consequences when you lie, because lies hurt relationship. And I don't want that to be a pattern in your friendships or your marriage or in your relationships with us. Lying is like hurting yourself and others. I don't let you use your body to hurt yourself or others. And I don't want you to use lying to do that either. Does that make sense? When we start by framing it as a relationship hurt her, then we can tell our kids, I'm with you, I'm for you, and you will mess up and that's okay. And there will be consequences for the mess up. But when you tell me about it, when you're honest about it, it draws us closer in relationship together. The third thing is to deliberately make trust a big thing. Making trust something that is talked about is a really important and helpful part of discipline. Helping our children understand that when I trust you to be honest and do what you say you did or will do, I can give you greater freedom and let you make bigger choices and chances. If I can't trust you to tell the truth, then I have to use my parent powers to make choices for you. But when you show me that you can make good choices, my brain remembers that. And so when you ask, can I stay up and watch an extra program on TV? I promise I'll go faster to get into sleep. My brain says, hmm, last time we tried this, did he obey well? Did he get into bed quickly? Yes, he did. I trust him to do that again. So my answer is yes, you can. When your child does something obediently, say explicitly, whoa, I asked you to get your shoes and coat on and you did it with no reminders. Hear that sound? That's the sound of my trust building. Thank you for being faithful and building my trust in you. Building trust is a powerful thing. It means that when they ask for something new, you can model how the trust that they have built impacts on your choices about their permissions. That does mean saying yes to some things he asks when he has built that trust, but you might be pleasantly surprised. This also comes into when they mess up. When they mess up and tell you, you can say, I'm sad you made those choices, but I'm also so proud of you that you told me. That builds my trust that you were going to fix your mistakes. Thank you for your honesty. I'm so proud of you. Now, how are you going to clean up the mess of you punching your brother? I hope that helps give you some next steps on how to help your kid on his truth journey. Remove hindrances, talk about relationship, and teach about trust. You got this but you are right. It's really important. Keep going. wild card section today is a Halloween one. It's about the joy of being scared because Halloween appears to be the time of year where tatty costumes and masks are everywhere, haunted houses abound, and every place you want to take your kid seemingly has random spooky themes. (laughs) However, you choose to handle Halloween Day itself, however you choose to do it, we as Christian parents also tend to have to figure out how to handle the seasonal surroundings of Halloween. And a question that often pops up is, how do we explain to to our children why people want to celebrate this stuff. And it's tough. This is my explanation. You may totally reject it. I know I say that a lot, but I find that sometimes listening to someone else's opinion and disagreeing with it is sometimes just as helpful to me because it reinforces, well, it forces me to think about why I disagree with it. And so then I end up knowing my own mind better. I'm not called to parent your kids. You are. And so even by disagreeing with me, you become more confident in how you want to parent your kids. So then I've done my job. So here's my explanation of what I tell kids about why people celebrate spooky, scary things. I say because they are scared. For people who aren't sure about God, they don't know that they can be full of love and peace and kindness and power in this life. They don't know that um, God exists in the spiritual areas of life and the truth about who he is and what he does in all the realms that we can't see. All they know is that there's darkness around that is scary and uncontrollable and beyond what they know, and that scares them. So if they make fun of that, stuff that is scary and try to create scenarios where they're in charge of that scariness by making haunted houses or watching movies that they know aren't real, but it still scares them and makes them laugh. Then they can feel powerful and not out of control. It's a trick to make what is scary fun, but I don't need to do that. I'm not scared by ghosts or demons or mysteries because I know that God is bigger and more powerful, and I know what we have is better and deeper than all of that. I don't celebrate it because I want what is better and more fun and more joyful than what that stuff could ever be. And then you can have a really good conversation about what's next. Are you scared by those things? Why? Who is God in that? You can create windows into how you cope when you are scared and help your children learn how they can do that too. There's loads of stuff on the website about that if you want to help your child in their fear and when they're scared of the dark. But that's how I frame it for children is to to explain that if there is no other way of dealing with fear, then uh, the world tries to control it or make it fun, and uh, we have a better way of doing that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I completely ignore the season. So, if you want to know more about how I engage with Halloween and what we do in our house on Halloween night, there's an article on the website. You can, I think, you just say like how Rachel celebrates Halloween, something like that. I'm not sure, but it's on there. Put Type in Rachel and Halloween. It should come up uh, because we do do stuff around Halloween, but uh, it's not about the scariness. Um, so however you choose to explain it to your kids, explain it because it's a big question kids have of why does it look so fun if it's nothing we engage with. So feel free to explain it to your kids. And the last thing is a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid. The question is, what is your favorite moment that you have ever had with God in your whole life? Don't forget to share your answers to this too. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.